Grace and mercy and peace be with you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Last week, Pastor Kevin preached on chapter 3 of the story. And in his sermon, he said that there is a haunting question, a question that haunts us in our human experience. And I I don't disagree. Uh, Last week, we looked at this question, why? And, And in particular, why is there suffering in this world? And if you weren't here, go back and listen to it. It was a great sermon as it helps us to understand and come to grips with that question. But there is another question that can be equally disturbing for us if we spend too much time thinking about it. And it's this question, who am I? Who am I? And all of its accompanying questions like, what am I doing here? What's my purpose? What's my identity? Out of all the billions of people that live on this earth right now, all over the place, and the billions who have lived here before, why me? Who am I right here, right now, in this place? Who am I? In chapter 4 of the story, our main character has a similar crisis. His name is Moses. Perhaps you've heard of him before. He's kind of a big deal throughout the Bible. But if you're not familiar with his identity crisis, here's how it began. It's been about 400 years since chapter 3 of the story ended. About 400 years. At the end of chapter 3 of the story, we had this nice resolution where Joseph's family came to Egypt to live in a plentiful land, a a, a land that was ripe for the harvest. And there in that land, they they were favored by that Pharaoh and given the opportunity to live through the famine and even after it. And now it's been 400 years, and in that 400 years, the people of God, the Israelites, who are also called Hebrews, by the way. Those two terms are kind of used interchangeably, Israelites and Hebrews. Throughout this time, they have not squandered their prosperity. As a matter of fact, they have multiplied greatly and have become incredibly prosperous. So much so that 400 years is a lot of time, by the way. There has been a change of ruling power. Well, a new pharaoh is in charge, and the new pharaoh thinks nothing of these Israelites. As a matter of fact, he sees them as a threat because they are so populous. He's afraid if they go to war that that they will join the enemies and defeat the Egyptians. So he takes away all of their privileges and instead enslaves them. He makes them his slaves. And he goes even so much further to say, I'm going to stop this multiplication and this child rearing among the Israelites In order to do so, I want you to take every newborn baby boy and cast them into the Nile River where they will be drowned. Well, one Hebrew mom, she does what's commanded of her. She does put her baby boy into the Nile River. However, she made a basket and made it watertight. And she put her son in this basket 
hid him among the long grasses by the side of the Nile River, where she knew that Pharaoh's daughter would often go to bathe. And so one day Pharaoh's daughter went down there to bathe and discovered the basket and heard the cries of this child and she opened it up and had compassion on this baby boy. She knew it was a Hebrew. She probably should have cast him into the Nile River, but she couldn't. Well, in a a remarkable turn of events, the boy's big sister was there watching and came to Pharaoh's daughter and said, would you like me to go get a Hebrew woman who can care for this child and give him milk as he needs to grow? And Pharaoh's daughter agreed. So in a change of events, this boy gets to be raised by his mom for a while until the time that he is weaned. So this boy is born as a Hebrew And now he goes to live with the Egyptians as a very young boy, and he grows up learning how to walk like an Egyptian. Sorry, that is a joke. You know the stars, walk like an Egyptian. He even learned how to talk like an Egyptian. And so he was raised there as Egyptians, Hebrew born, raised by the Egyptians. Well, one day as he grows to be an adult, he sees out there a Hebrew fighting with an Egyptian, and Moses rushes down. He kills the Egyptian, buries him in the sand, trying to cover his tracks. Well, it's found out, and Pharaoh actually wants to kill Moses, and so Moses flees as a fugitive out into the wilderness. And once he gets into the wilderness, he runs into some of his distant relatives called the Midianites. Midian, by the way, was a son of Abraham. So these are distant relatives of his. And while among the Midianites, he gets married to a woman named Zipporah. And they have a child and they name him Gershom. Gershom means son of a sojourner. Son of a sojourner. And and Moses even asks this question as he's naming his child. His child embodies what he is feeling a man in an identity crisis. He says, who am I? I'm just a foreigner living in a foreign land. Hebrew born, raised by the Egyptians, a murderer, a fugitive, marrying into the Midianites. You know how it goes when we are tossed around by the world like this. When we are tossed around by the world, we can end up in a similar identity crisis asking, who am I? Who am I? How did I get here? What is my identity based and how do I receive value in this world? What's my purpose in this place? Those are very common questions that I too have asked myself many times. And truly, the only way to get to a definitive answer to this question is to ask a different question. Not who am I, but who are you? God, God, who are you? Because knowing God is truly the only way how you will know yourself. Let's take a look at how uh, God answers this question for Moses. So Moses lives among the Midianites. He's married. He's got a father-in-law. He's got a son. And he's tending to the flocks of his father-in-law Jethro out in the wilderness. When one day a voice comes and Moses notices that the voice came from this burning bush, a bush that's on fire but is not burning up. 
And Moses has to go investigate this, of course. And as he nears this burning bush, the voice says to him, Moses, take off your sandals for the place that you are standing is holy ground. And Moses, Moses, uh, Moses, I, I can imagine, is wondering, what am I experiencing here? What am I experiencing? And, and God proceeds. God opens up his mouth and goes into this wonderful promise to Moses saying, Moses, I've heard the cries of your people. I know of their difficulties. I know of their slavery. I know your people, Moses. And Moses is thinking to himself, you know my people. Which people? I don't even know my people. Are you talking about the Midianites? Are you talking about the Egyptians? Are you, are you, who are you talking about? And God says, no, your people. Your flesh and blood, the, the Hebrews, I've heard their cries of suffering. I know of their slavery, and I want you to know I'm the God of deliverance. I am going to lead them out of slavery. I'm going to bring them to the land that I promised to Abraham long ago, and you, Moses, will be the one to lead them. You will go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. If I were Moses, I'd be checking my pulse. <laughs> Going, am I, am I alive? Am I dreaming? And probably with a pulse that's racing a little bit, he comes to grips with this reality that it's not a dream. This is his reality. And Moses then responds to God by asking this question again. Who am I? Specifically, he says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Who am I that you're calling out to me? Who am I? Who am I to do this big task? The Hebrews are not going to listen to me. I was raised as an Egyptian. The Egyptians aren't going to listen to me. I was born as a Hebrew and I killed one of theirs. And nobody respects me because I'm a man who can't even speak eloquently. I belong out here among the animals in the wilderness where I don't have to talk. I can't stand before kings and speak. Why would you choose me, God? Who am I? I don't even know who I am. But God responds with the most comforting words that God can offer. I will be with you. <laughs> I will be with you. It's here in the very presence of God that Moses is starting to get an answer to his question, who am I? Because he's starting to understand who God is. Actually, Moses is so bold to speak in return to God. As God says, I will be with you, Moses starts wondering. He's like, well, okay, but if I go to the people of God, the Israelites, and I say, who sent me to you? Nobody's going to believe that a burning bush sent me. So who should I say sent me? And God says, tell them. The God of their fathers, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has sent you. Tell them that. And Moses thinks about it and says, that's pretty good. I've heard about you. I understand who you are. But God, I, I've got another question. I want to know you, God. What's your name? What's your name, God? 
And God says, I am who I am. I am who I am. Moses, tell him I am has sent you. In this moment, Moses' big question, who am I? Is being answered by this reality, God saying, I am. Who am I, God? God says, I am. God is the one who just is. He's the one who causes all things to be. He is creator. He is with us. He is faithful to his promises he makes. He's not just a has-been. He's not just a will-be. He was and is and will be. God is saying to Moses, Moses, I am with you. I am your deliverer. I am the one who will lead you out of slavery to freedom, out of death and into life. We've had some quite beautiful days here in early October. Today's a bit dreary, I understand. But October here in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan has been fabulous. We took our kids swimming on October 1st. Right? Yesterday we were out hiking and I was sweating. It's been quite remarkable. However, we also know and can sense the reality of what is all around us. Everything is changing and in seasons like this, we can't help to deny the reality that everything is changing from the cooler weather to the morning fog over the canal to the darker mornings and evenings to the beautiful leaves. Everything is changing. And our lives are no different. Everything in our lives is constantly in flux. And the world is constantly forcing more and more changes and changes upon us. And so easily we get caught up in all of it, asking, God, who am I? Who am I, God, now that all of this has changed? Who am I, God? Who am I now that, now that, now that our kids are out of the house and we're empty nesters? Who are we now, God? <laughs> or who are we now, God, that we have children in our house? Who are we now as a family? Who am I, God, as a new college student? Who am I in this place? How do I find my footing here? Who am I now that I'm retired? How do I find my place in all of this? Who am I as a, as a widow? Who am I? In all of this change, there is only one constant, and it is God. He is the one who is, who was, and will be. And He is the God who is faithful to His promises to deliver us. And even when we lose sight of it all, God never loses sight of us. Your God brought you into existence. Your God caused breath to enter your lungs this morning. Your God is all around you, going before you and coming after you. And your God delivers you. He delivers you. God in the flesh, Jesus, your Savior, came into this world to deliver you, to save you, to rescue you. And maybe you think, what do I need to be saved from? 
What do I need to be delivered from? Jesus came to deliver you from the devil and from death itself to free you from the bondage of sin and death and to bring you to life and everlasting life. Jesus came as your deliverer and he speaks to you. You are mine and I am yours. You are mine and I am yours. This is who God is. This same God who calls to you and created you is the same God speaking to Moses in the bush. (laughs) This is the same God that's calling Moses, sending Moses to be a very important person. (laughs) Actually, God has been preparing Moses for this moment from the time he was born. He was born a Hebrew, that's going to be helpful for him. He was raised as an Egyptian, that's going to be helpful for him. God's been preparing Moses for this. Moses belongs to God. Now perhaps you know how things go from here, especially if you read chapter 4. But Moses' first hearing with Pharaoh, it doesn't go so well. Actually, I don't know how I almost forgot this. Uh, Aaron is also there, <laughs> my namesake. All right, Aaron is also there. Aaron is Moses' brother. He's the one who speaks on behalf of Moses because Moses doesn't have eloquent speech. So God provides for him his brother to help him, assist him. What a wonderful gift. So Moses and Aaron, their first hearing with Pharaoh doesn't go well, actually. Pharaoh's so mad, he actually makes the slavery worse on the Hebrew people. And then Pharaoh does something even worse, and he says, he says, your, 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 your slavery will be worse. You've got to make bricks now without, with, without straw. And their time in slavery and captivity becomes even harder. And so God responds to this. And God sends a series of plagues. You've probably heard of this before. And finally, after all of those plagues, Pharaoh relents and lets the people go. And after a harrowing journey fleeing in the middle of the night because they were kicked out of Egypt. They're pursued once again by the Egyptians, caught between the Egyptians and the Red Sea, and God opens up those waters. The, the, the Israelites cross on dry ground. They make it to the other side. The waters come in and cover up the Egyptians, and they are drowned there, and they're on the other side of the water. They're on the other side of the water, <laughs> sweaty, and maybe a bit uh, wet from the splashes of the water. There with just a little bit of food and water, not much provisions there. Moses and the people of God sing praises to God. They shout out to God. They praise Him. They say, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God and I will praise Him. This is my Father's God and I will exalt Him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is His name. They sing praises to their God for He has delivered them from slavery. Everyone was filled with joy. At least for a little bit. Until they realized that they were in the desert without food or water. And here's a great opportunity for them to either wholly trust in God. I mean, they've just seen what God can do. Why do they not trust that God will provide for them? So they've got a great opportunity to trust in God's provisions or they can do what human people do best and they can complain. Guess what they do? They choose the latter and they start complaining. But guess what God does? Still provides because he's with them and he loves them. 
Let's go back to this question one last time. Who am I? You've seen how this question plagued, pun intended, Moses. You've seen how this question plagued him, and you've seen how this question plagues us. Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? And until we become confident in the answer, God, who are you, we will be plagued by the question, who am I? So if you are wrestling through any of these sort of identity crisis questions, what am I doing here? I'd encourage you to ask God the question, God, who are you? Who are you? And then open up his word, read the story, see how he has answered that question for people from of old until the present. And I tell you right now, God is ready to answer the question for you and to tell you that you are his. You are loved by the creator. You are no longer a slave to sin. You have been delivered and set free. You no longer have to live in fear for your God is with you. You need only be still and silent for the Lord your God fights for you. And when you are still and silent, you will experience his presence and his voice calling out to you saying, you are my child. I love you. And I have important work for you to do. Just like Moses, even in your weakness, even in your deficiencies, I am with you and I have important things for you to do in my name so that people will see my glory and know of my love. Go in God's grace and with his peace. You are his. In Jesus' name, amen.